0: Welcome to box to box football.
1: Well, welcome, welcome, welcome to box to box football. The international break is over and we are coming back to you on a Monday night here uh, after the conclusion of week of match day five in the Premier League. Kyle, I'm joined by JJ and Mike tonight. Uh, You just finished up watching uh, a 1-1 draw between Burnley and Nottingham Forest to conclude the uh, the, the slate of games. So we've got a lot to talk about in match week five, and then we'll also get to the champions league, but the theme of today's show clubs in crisis for uh, maybe a little bit of still week five early season reaction. Uh, but we have to start at old Trafford where Manchester United beaten three to one by Brighton uh, United booed off the pitch at the end of the game. Uh, there's been a lot going on at that, uh, at the club. Um, you look at it, the, they had the, the Mason Greenwood situation and and they were going to, you know, he was gone and they were going to bring him back. And then they eventually did ship him off to Spain. Uh, then you have the Anthony thing where he's no, not with, with the team this week because of some off the field stuff. Uh Harry Maguire is just taking up space on the bench uh, because they, they didn't sell him when they had a chance to. Jaden Sancho is so far in the doghouse, he may never see the light of day again. Um uh, Just not good at United. They're two off to a two and three start. Um, 3-1 to Brighton. Uh, J.J. Duke, your thoughts?
2: Well, I think you just only covered the news of the last 48 hours. I think we could probably go and talk (laughs) a lot more about that, or we'd probably be here for about a week or so. Um, Sean Miller, who could not make tonight's episode, but has this two-word statement uh, and two words only, quote, They're terrible. I think that's all that you need to know about his opinion. And, like, let's be frank for a second here. Brighton were the favorites coming into this match. And they rightfully so won the match. Um, I mean, we could have ourselves a Brighton love fest, and frankly, I'd be perfectly up for that. But um, for Manchester United, I mean, where do we start? You also forgot to mention the quietly that the glazer family has removed any interest of selling the club or at least selling part of the club or anything like that but then again they never really actually announced that they're going to sell the club or any part of the club because they're just looking to see if anybody wanted to put out the six billion dollars there's always
1: been this tension that this whole thing is this tension between the supporters and, and the ownership on top of everything else that's happened yeah
2: um but to actually go back and talk about what the current status of things are like right now, it's kind of funny because it seems like for Manchester United, this is almost an annual occurrence. And even during the days of Sir Alex Ferguson, you know, for those that are unfamiliar, or just don't really remember so much. Wayne Rooney probably at least once a season to have some sort of an issue going on, whether it was playing time or he fell out of love in the game or contract or Someone tried to get into his house once because that actually was a thing that happened. Sadly, on the regular, um, yeah. Waggett the Christie, remember Waggett the
1: Christie with the wag? Yeah.
2: So it's this is a thing right now where you have too many, you know, it's tough to say too many egos in the room, and not enough players are kind of following along and just accepting their role for what it is. Yes, everybody wants to play football. Everybody wants to be in that 11 week in, week out. And, you know, when you have a 25 man Premier League roster, you're going to guess what, have 14 players not playing regularly. That's just mathematics for you, um, though. It is fascinating how all of a sudden where seven months ago, 10 hog had the dressing room operating the way that he wanted to. They had that great run of form where it was 20 unbeaten in 21 matches in the league and actually in all competitions for that matter, and things were just all hunky-dory, and now all of a sudden it's on the opposite end. You learn a lot more about a club in how they react to things that are not going their way, and clearly this locker room under the captaincy of Bruno Fernandes, who we should mention the captain, because the captain often takes the role of how things are going. It seems that things have spiraled a little bit, actually more than a little bit, to be fair. Um, and you know. League form hasn't been great of five matches, one, two, lost three. It's the second worst start in the Premier League era for the club. And they were lucky to win those two matches. Uh, the one nil to Wolves on the opening day of the season where they should have lost and the 3-2 to Nottingham Forest, and they had to come back from two down inside the first five minutes. Are there real reasons for panic to be had for everybody just yet? No, because it is still week five of the season. There is enough time to turn it around to get a top four. I've already written the season off that City will win the title. I think we all kind of agreed on that when we did our Premier League preview. Can they finish top four? Yes, of course. Why not? Because at the end of the day in sport, it's all about momentum. If you get in a little run of form, if all of a sudden Hoyland starts bagging goals or Rashford finds a form that he had during that great run last year, yeah, everything could be fine and again i think also the timing of this strangely enough works out well for them because they have the champions league coming up so it always helps to have different competitions to kind of take your mind off some things until you have failures in that competition then all of a sudden it's really problematic so if you check back with me it's the we're recording on september 18th if on october 18th we're still in the same situation yeah, that's when to really sound the fire alarms and say you need people to go now.
1: Uh, well, by the, by the way, at, at Bayern, sorry, Mike, but at Bayern Munich to open the Champions League this week too for Manchester yes. United. So it, 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 it doesn't get any easier. You, you, you guys, you, you heard the booze. Mike Ten Hag on the on the hot seat.
0: <sighs> it, it leads to my point. So potentially is the answer to that question, but. My bigger question is, what's the goal here? Because you look at the way Chelsea is building their squad, whether you agree with it or disagree with it, there's a goal, right? They're trying to get young players to build and kind of grow together to be a side that's not good for a year, but to be a side that's good for five to ten years. You look at the way Brighton is building a squad. Brighton has a very specific role for the type of players that they're targeting. Same with Man City. Specific role. They know what the role is, and then they try and get the guy to fit that role. Manchester United is and has been, really since the Paul Pogba transfer, getting the guy And trying to find a role. And it's not the way to build a team. And they're building almost like they're PSG, almost. They're just kind of getting names and getting guys and saying, well, they'll fix it. Well, how are you going to play them? Like, they spent all that money on Sancho. It seems clear that they had no idea what to do with Jaden Sancho. They spent all that money on Anthony. All right, Ten Hag coached him. He fit in okay enough, I guess. But like Mason Mount, what was JJ? What is Mason Mount's role? On so the it
2: team? it's funny that you actually say what is the goal of this the team in terms of roster construction. There is actually part of an answer to that question. Okay, it's I'm I'm ten, it, it's Ten Hag's Ajax team. He's literally trying to recreate that team from five years ago, which is if you cycle back five seasons ago, it was a pretty good team. I, I think we can okay. all agree that can it was really good team. Yeah, But that's a team five years ago. Mm-hmm. Now you bring these players in thinking that they're going to do the same thing in a completely different league. You know, arguably it is the, the greatest league in the world. It's the fastest league in the world. And it's the most physical league in the world. And now you're having a, a team with I X that performed admirably in the era of Divisi, and then, of course, they, they found lightning in a bottle on the champions, like which does happen with those types of clubs. Um, it just clearly hasn't worked. And then the players that they sign that weren't on that Ajax team are like, okay, so Sancho, and pardon me for not remembering who was in that similar position at Ajax, you need to fill that role. And then you're going to have other center back and center midfielders, and you get plugged in. But again, Five years ago, players get older, not the same players to replicate those positions. So, yeah, the roster construction, there is a goal, I think. Um, it doesn't work. Um, yeah. yeah.
0: So so you go back to your question, Kyle, of is Ten Hag on the hot seat? And my answer is, does it matter? Because then you're just going to bring in another coach that has stuff. And no real idea what to do with it. I think Ten Hag is feeling the pressure because, especially what he said yesterday about Brighton spending money. He he which made this comment true, about like yeah, which, like, every single true. player that Man United had on the field yesterday cost more than the entire Brighton lineup.
2: Yeah, and if anything, for Brighton they actually spent the money that they got from Caicedo amongst others. So they're Mm -hmm. actually using, they're doing what you should do in business. This is not business 101, but if you sell something, use the profits to make your entity better. And that's Mm -hmm. what Brighton did. Now, again, we're not going to, we can make this a Brighton love fest if you guys want to, because I'm here for it. But um, yeah, United have spent money. They also got money for players that left. And I'm going to leave this with this one thought here. Um, for me, the issue started, yeah, you have your say too, Mike, but for me, the issue started with the types of players that left during the summer and the way that they left because you had players, most notably David De Gea, who wanted to stay. This is very much a messy situation. I mentioned this in a previous episode. He was willing to take a lesser contract and let's face it, like, yeah, he's not the greatest out of the back with his feet but he is adequate enough in the premier league to be there for over a decade but then he he just gets shown the door so i think that was the first crack and things are starting to now become greater with those cracks that that's all i have the the biggest thing for me
0: when i started i said what's the goal right sport always trickles from the top down it always does so with Man United, you go to the top, and you start, and you ask the question, what's the goal? And the Glazers don't have an answer to that question. So the trickle-down of that, how can anyone know what
2: is the goal when the top has no idea what the goal is? It's a perfectly fair point. It's a very fair point. Let's not forget, by the way, their women's side is also in their Champions League, and they let all, all their best players walk. Mm-hmm. Onya Batier? World Cup winner, Alessia Russo, top scorer in the league. So they can't even get it right on that side, let alone on the men's side, where they let how much walk out the door during the summer. So the whole club is in turmoil. Um, but again, you know, things can change if all of a sudden in a second, in another competition, you have positive results. It starts at Bayern. Good luck to them because they're going to face, as I mentioned, one of the players that they try to sign in Harry Kane. Sim- yeah. Simple yes or no question here, guys, and then we can
0: move on. Kyle, is there a job in the Premier League Big Six that you would want less?
2: Old uh, school Big Six? Yeah, yeah.
1: Uh, maybe Chelsea, because I, who we are going to talk about today as well, because the that, that ownership is now, obviously, Todd Bowley is in there now at Chelsea, but um, that's another you know historically traditional big six club that is struggling right now uh, that's not even in Europe this year. So yeah. um, and the way Chelsea has cycled through managers uh, over the past five six years, maybe maybe Chelsea. Um, but yeah, obviously it's, it's not a great uh, situation at United right now.
2: Yeah, it, it, it's Chelsea and then just slightly below United. Yeah, but we, but on, on a week, it could just literally flip on the drop yeah. of a coin,
1: drop of a hat. I, I also do, I just want to say, uh, former United player Danny Welbeck, I'm loving his second act at, at Brighton. He was a guy who I think, you know, I thought at the time he, he left United, he kind of bounced around to a couple other clubs where I thought you know, he's, it might be the end of the line here. And he's kind of found a, a second life at, at Brighton and become a really productive player uh, for them. And, and that's a Brighton team that I look, I think they're going to be hanging around the top four all year. Uh, that, that that Brighton team. Um, I do want to move on here to another club in crisis since that's the theme of our show, uh, and that's the one we just mentioned, and that's Chelsea. Uh, the Blues just five points from five, a nil-nil draw with Bournemouth. That's two straight games without a goal. Uh, Chelsea's got 12 first-team players out on the injured list and only two wins in its last 17 Premier League games dating back to last year. That's a total of 15 points for 17 games. That's relegation form from Chelsea right there. Now, I don't think Chelsea is going to end up in the relegation fight, so let, let me get that out there. There's too much, there's too much talent. Pochettino will we'll figure it out. Chelsea, 14th right now, not going to be in the relegation fight, but, but Mike, uh, it has not been a good run here for them.
0: No, it's certainly not. They are a team. I, I talked about Southampton like this a little bit last year. Chelsea is doing it on a much grander scale. They are the FIFA experiment. If you are building a team in FIFA and you're starting a managerial career, this is how you would build a team. You would find one of those websites that list everyone on FIFA. You would sort by potential and you would buy the highest potential at every single position that works in FIFA. It's not working out so well on the pitch in London. Uh, I don't know if Pochettino is the right coach for this. But I don't know who is either. I think Poach is much more on the hot seat than Ten Hag from the perspective of Ten Hag at least has a trophy, and he's shown, you know, hey, it it has worked. He's got a trophy. He's got a top four, what have you. We're starting to get to a long time since Mauricio Pochettino has accomplished anything in this sport. And international management might be the next stop for Poach if this doesn't work out. I don't know what the fix is for Chelsea other than stop trying to microwave it. You're not trying to microwave this project. You're clearly going low and slow, right? This is, if I'll bring it to American food, this is barbecue. This is something you put on the smoker for 16 hours and just let build and build and build and build. And yeah, you finished crappy last season and you might finish crappy this season. But Pochettino is someone who a lot of people respect the way he teaches the game to young players. Let him grow. Let them grow. Let's see what this becomes. You can't have your cake and eat it too. Chelsea has decided to go all in on the project aspect of this. Then you have to let it be a project.
2: Yeah, I think it's a really uh, fair well, point on the yeah. project as well. Um, it's funny though that we talk about hot seat in Chelsea because it doesn't matter what owner in the last 25 years or so. Chelsea runs through managers once every about six to eight months, give or take. So there's always the possibility of a Chelsea manager getting sacked. With that being said, Mike's absolutely right about having this being a project and going all in and trying to cultivate the youth i call back also something that i said a few weeks ago about chelsea where what is the current status of their academy right now because that was kind of the life bread of that club for a bit whether it was developing players to then go and play for the first team or developing those to then sell for assets to come back to them still really haven't found an answer well I have found one answer, but that's not in the position that they need. Shout out to a uh, 17 year old Ted Kurd, who is currently a Chelsea Academy player on loan at hashtag #United. Who's been actually doing pretty well in his first senior football, but that that's for an, another podcast that we have on the uh, on the network. But um, it's yeah, I I don't know, um, yeah, I don't particularly go out of my way to watch Chelsea on the reg. Um, If I'm being just completely honest here, I do watch the highlights, but I can't speak to anything on this team that says similarly to Manchester United, who's going to be the one that is going to put the team on their back, say, follow my lead. Let's go in together. They've got workhorses there. No doubt about that. I think Gallagher is, of course, he's always class. Um, And I'm just looking at the team. From this past weekend,
1: well, well they gotta get they yep. gotta get healthy. Look at look at. Let me give you yeah. their bench yeah. from this game. Yeah. Cole, they had first of all they had two goalkeepers on the bench for for this game, which tells you the the position they're in right now. Cole Palmer, Ben Chilwell, Ian Matson, Jordy Petrovic, That's the goalkeeper uh, they signed from New England Revolution. David Washington, Alfie Gilchrist, Lucas Bergstrom who's another goalkeeper. Alex Matos, Ronnie Studer. That was the Chelsea bench for a Premier League game. Yeah, that. That they have to get healthy. Like, that has to happen. But this is not a a Champions League club right now. They're, not, they're right. not qualifying for Europe as constructed right now in the way they're playing. And they're not getting enough production out of the guys they do have on the field. Has Mudrick scored a goal yet since they signed him?
0: No,
2: I don't think so.
1: Like, and oh, no, like, Mudrick
0: has a chance to be an all time poor signing. Like, he, is, there's a lot of top 10 lists. They that signed Mudrick
1: be because Arsenal was going to sign him. And I went, yep. no, we can't let Arsenal get him, so we have to go sign him. Whether the, the he fits into what we want to do or not.
2: The thing with this, though, is because I'm looking through a lot of the injured players, you said that you have to get the best of what you have to work with. A lot of those players that are hurt aren't coming back for a while. Yeah. Like, you might be looking into another transfer window before some of those guys even start getting back to the training pitch, let alone seeing first-team minutes. So I, I think right now for Potch, it's about figuring it out with the guys that you have. I I, I truly think it is. Um, I mean, I, I look at what they have coming up next. Villa at home on the weekend, Brighton in a League Cup match, which I think for him, he might need to prioritize that competition in, in the short term because that's where he can actually use some of those squad players to get first team minutes and almost yeah. just try to trial and error for some Fulham away, Burnley away, Chelsea home, Brentford home. So that's the next six matches, one in the cup, five in the league. In theory, there are points to be gotten from those games um, with all the greatest respect to the competition that they're playing. But yeah, if we get to, again, that October 16th mark, that's an international break and we're 18th mark and we're talking about kind of the same things over and over again here, I don't know. I don't know if Pach even gets to that point before he gets sacked. Because, because again, I'm just a... going by the the trend of Chelsea managers. Not so much of the project. I believe in working with the project just because it's Chelsea.
1: But they have not proven they can get points off those teams. They haven't, they haven't done it since the second half of last season. And they haven't done it this season. Like they must feel like I, I like to say like in basketball, when you're not shooting well, it feels like there's a lid on the basket. It's got to feel like that on the goal right now for Chelsea, right? They, they're, they've got chances in that game against Bournemouth. The Bournemouth goalkeeper made a couple good saves. Chelsea missed a couple uh, chances that you you would have liked to take. And, and I think when that, that snowballs right now, they just need something to go their way to kind of switch that momentum. And right now it's, it's not happening.
0: It's always easy to talk about sack of so manager. There is but uh, another there?
1: crisis club. Go ahead, Mike. Sorry.
0: It's always easy to talk about sacking a manager. Well, you, but can you can always find somebody.
1: You can always find somebody. I mean, yes, you can to, always to find
0: somebody. You're right. You can always find somebody. Yes, Neil Warnock's available. His DMs are open. Well, but like, somebody, you know,
1: somebody uh, out there. T. T. That out they there,
0: can... maybe, maybe Hansi Flick. Yeah. But like, it's not a great crop of available managers out there right now. That uh, well, if you're a big some... club, you're saying. Oh, we better get rid of Poach. We have to get a head start on Nagelsmann. Uh,
1: somebody, somebody will always say the Chelsea job's available. I want it. I think I can turn them around because if I can turn that them around, I'm a, you know, I'm a hero until they fire me the next year when we go on a poor run of form. So uh, there's there's one other uh, crisis club I want to focus on, and that is Everton in all sorts of trouble here. Uh, loses at, at home at Goodison to, to Arsenal by a golden They Leandro Trossard off the bench in the 69th minute. Arsenal one, uh, excuse me, Everton, one point from five games. It was a big win for Arsenal as well to keep pace with Manchester City, but this is an Everton team that looks really bad. I, uh, and I don't know what the answer is, guys. Uh, but I, other than the bottom of the league being really bad and that, Keeping and this can maybe become an overall discussion more on, on that, that bottom half of the table. But the, the bottom half being so bad will, I think, keep Everton afloat and at least uh, in it. But uh, that, I don't know. I, I just, this is not a good team.
0: It's not at all. And Kyle, you and I talked about the disaster scenario here, which is dice ball not working and dice balls not working. It's not, and they don't. They don't even really have the money to to get rid of somebody else. And the thing that I'm really worried about here is this seven-seven-seven partners take over, because you look at the biggest teams that they have taken over. They're clearly building one of those football empires. So let's keep it to the big leagues. All right, yeah, they own Standard Liège. Great. They own in Italy, Genoa. The year that takeover happened, they were relegated. They own Hertha Berlin. The year that takeover happened, they were relegated. They are starting to invest in Sevilla. They only own 15% of that. That's fine enough, what have you. This is not promising. They're already talking about taking a loan out from seven, seven partners to maybe finish the stadium and maybe be able to get a couple of players. I mean, this is, this is bleak, but I started following the premier league in 2014. I guess I really started understanding the premier league in probably 2016, 2017. That's when I got my feet under me and I understood what was going on. JJ, can you remember a worse bottom of the league recently than what we have? I mean, everybody likes to talk about the the cream of the crop and the Premier League and everything like that. Not this year. The bottom of this league stinks. Somebody's gonna stay up with like
1: thirty points. There are f- no, five no no, no. Five it's teams gonna be that are winless. There are five teams that are still winless.
2: It, thirty points is generous, Mike. Yeah, genuinely. Thir- uh, I think. Well, it's funny because you talk about that line right in years Mm -hmm. past it used to be that magical 40 point mark was going to be enough and like you i think even your beloved claudio ranieri when he was the manager of leicester the year that they won he celebrated the day that the club got to 40 points Mm -hmm. like because at that time still in the 2010 or the you know the mid 2010s the late 2010s that was the number um I, I think now, because you do have the, – and the number has dropped a little bit. I think now it's kind of more like the 32-point mark is kind of that safety net up until this past year, actually. You know, let's just even dial back to last <laughs> yeah. year. What was Objection. The number? <laughs> uh, yeah, sorry, right, Mike.
1: Go back to last year. The number was 36. 36 for Everton last year was the last safety point.
2: Sorry. Yep. <laughs> beyond that the previous it was about that 38 number because he had 38
1: the year before that sorry go ahead JJ. Yeah.
2: thank you call um so yeah so the previous years it was kind of in that dropping down from 40 that's purely because more now the top half teams are just guaranteed nicking three points off the bottom half and the bottom half just everyone taking points off of each other in terms of the the worst bottom call it the bottom six now because mm-hmm. I still do believe in mid table obscurity um, because it is still a thing. I think for half of those teams, it's probably some of the most talented teams that we've seen in the bottom six in terms of just individual name by name, by name and players, but teams. Yeah. I think we could arguably say in the premier league era, or at least you have to go back to the early 2000s. It's not great down there. You're right. There's going to be a team that's going to probably escape with 28 points, maybe oh, if yeah. one of those teams. Because, and I messaged this to you guys in our group chat um, before the preview show last week. And I hope that it was talked about a little bit. Where today on Monday, the Sheffield or excuse me, the Burnley Nottingham Forest match, I truly thought that the winner of that match, if it was Forest, they were safe. Yeah. Like I would mark it down in mid-September that they were safe because I don't see a way that even with only nine points or seven with the 1-1 uh, draw, by the way, that Callum Hudson and Odoi goal oh. could be up there for goal of the mm-hmm. season. Thank goodness that handball was not called or they didn't look back and overrule because that would just ruin it. Because then they beauty.
1: overruled they overruled the one for Burn. Burn- Yes. When Sander Berg controlled it with his with his bicep. Like uh, great goal from Callum Hudson and yes. Amazing what happens when you get away from Chelsea.
2: True. Absolutely. Um, so anyways, to finish the point, yeah, I, I think this is the worst bottom six in terms of team by team, the best in terms of talent that those teams have ever had, which is a scary contradiction. Kyle, I, I've kind of said
0: going throughout this year that I don't think that there are three premier or that there are three relegation spots. I think there are one. I don't know how true that is anymore. Not because Sheffield or Luton are better than I thought. I just think that you know Everton's terrible, Wolves are terrible, Burnley. I still believe Burnley will get their sea legs under them, but it yeah. has been a rough go coming up. And you look at the team that's next there, and it's Chelsea. And you're like, what?
1: It's not going to happen. It's not not going to happen.
0: happen. It's not going to happen. You're right. Because the other teams around there are so bad. But let's just for argument's sake say that a Leicester stays up last year instead of Everton. And you have a team that's a a genuine mid-table team. Could Chelsea have realistically been in relegation battle this year? Like that's crazy, right?
1: That's crazy to think about. And I, no, no, because I, I just think they'll they'll get enough not. points. But, but you say no, 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 and then you look up at Christmas and you're sitting five points above the drop, and you're like, yeah, yo, we like we better get busy here. That happened to Leicester last year. I mean, not. I don't mm-hmm. want to like. And they didn't like, get busy. But like it was like right. No, it was like yo guys, we better get busy here or we could be in trouble. And it just never happened. And then all of a sudden you're scrambling the last, you know, month of the season and you just can't get out of it. Uh, but I mean, but- there have
2: been some big clubs in the past too that have gone down or there have been big clubs that have done enough in the market. I think it, it, if you're talking about the baptism by fire of learning Premier League football, that West Ham team that signed Mascherano and Tevez. Yeah slightly controversially but did enough to stay up then a couple of years later they go down mm-hmm. Aston Villa not all that long ago went down but they had a, a project they figured it out they bounce right back up and boom they're in Europe this season and they're in contention for our leagues so it's happened before where big teams go down in terms of the profile it would be Oh, and Newcastle as well too, but that was weird times. But now, you
0: know. we we got a little off track here. Let's okay. steer back because Everton getting relegated, boys, well, is plenty big enough. Yeah, yeah that's true. Like that's yeah. a big club that's opening a new stadium next year. This is a catastrophe and it's you feel bad for the the supporters of this club because like listen, JJ, we talked about Leicester, we've mentioned it a couple times. Once you got over the hurt of Leicester being relegated and you understood what was going on around you, you went, we're going to be fine. We're going to bounce back up, and this is going to be okay. Everton is looking down a dark alley right now because they go down to the championship. They lose the Premier League money. They have the stadium money. Like Going down isn't going to fix this problem. This is one of those teams that could go down and become Derby County.
2: Or or Portsmouth. Or a yeah. number of clubs that yeah. were up there and then all of a sudden, yeah, no, you're absolutely right. And let's think about this as well. Financial fair play could eventually come into this too because you have to talk about making income to mm-hmm. pay players. They're losing so much money on a stadium. They're losing so much money on – a number of big time contracts that they have on that team Jordan Pickford they didn't sign for cheap from Sunderland and i mean that's the thing he's they might have to sell him in january I, just from a yeah. just from a money perspective i truly foresee that either that or pickford is just going to say i'm done which yeah. you know what i wouldn't blame him in the slightest if no. he wanted out because let's face it he's england's number 1 And he has to continually, I mean, he's getting a lot of work, let's put it that way, but he continues to fight for his career every week. He should be playing for a big club, a club, excuse me, a big club that's in Europe, not a big club that's at the wrong end of the table. So you're right. I think he could go. Is there a survivalist expert you can bring in here? (laughs) That they haven't already? No, um, I, like, think, like, I think Sam Big Sam
1: again. Big Sam's line is always open.
2: No, yeah. I mean, you, you actually—he's had what two? Harry Redknapp called five times. Sure, two interim <laughs> stake uh, stints or whatever. Big dunk. I mean, like it's not like he's figured out a way to just manufacture <laughs> something short. I, I'm being dead serious here. Yeah, I know. Like that's what I was but thinking it's not too. Good.
1: Like you could fire, like you could fire Sean Dyke, but. What who are you gonna bring in that's gonna better the position you're in, right? Right. You you just have to try and scrape as many points as possible and hope it's enough to stay up with with the cat with sort of the the only the the escape patch being that the bottom of the league is really bad and that's going to keep you in it throughout the season.
2: And I feel like we just did a big circle and eventually yep. got there where there are no managers out there There's, for any club in crisis yeah, that are going to make the club better than where okay. they are now. So that's, God bless.
1: God bless. Uh, let's just run down the rest of the scores from this weekend. If anything jumped out at you, go ahead and, and hop in. Liverpool 3-1 to over Wolves. Fulham 1-0 over uh, Luton Town. Tottenham, Ange Ball rolls on. Spurs in second place, 2-1. They come from behind with two stoppage time goals to beat Sheffield United um we'll get that yeah Mike we'll we'll get your point on that in a second let me just run through it Man City three West Ham one West Ham actually took the lead through James Ward Prowse in that game but again this is why City's so hard to beat three unanswered goals to win Aston Villa three Crystal Palace one Villa coming from behind to win that game Uh, a great goal you talked about the uh the the goal from Callum Hudson Odoi today a great goal for Villa from Joan Duran do you know where they got him from anybody
0: Chicago Fire
1: Chicago Fire yeah Uh, Newcastle one, Brentford nil, um, and then uh, obviously take Burnley one, Nottingham Forest one. Go ahead, Mike.
0: A good pundit always admits when they're wrong. I owe Big Ang an apology (laughs) because I trash that hiring and I trash that style of play, and they're probably going to go to the Champions League. That's a really shockingly well-built team. You talk about everyone having a role, everyone fitting in the role, everyone performing properly. I was wildly wrong about Tottenham. They are really fun to watch. And you guys both know Bill Simmons, right? We usually don't talk about it very often in the European football realm, but I think the Ewing committee is officially meeting to talk about Harry Kane. Because... They are kind of maybe better without <laughs> them.
2: Well, I mean, I did kind of say that a couple of weeks ago, but you—you you were on red card suspension, so I'll allow it.
1: Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Well, look, they've got look, they've got the North London Derby this this weekend, so that's going to tell yeah. us a little yeah. bit more about about Spurs. Uh,
2: my one uh, chapeau, if anything, I actually felt West Ham are really unlucky against City. I thought they played really well. I know it's difficult, right? Because the way that West Ham are stylistically built in the league is that they need to absorb and hit on the counter. But man, if it wasn't for some last ditch defending and some decent goalkeeping and also some lackluster finishing at times, they probably should have had at least two or three on the night. I thought the word Prowse goals was really well taken. Um, I mean, you know, pep is pep. He's going to find a way. I have no issues right now with West Ham and the way that they're performing. I actually think they could be a threat in their cup competitions. Um, Their Europa League draw is pretty favorable. Um, In the League Cup, they've got Lincoln next. That Mm -hmm. should take care of itself. I'm actually fascinated in their next league match against Liverpool. I know we're going to have a preview for it, but that could be the litmus test for them. Away at Anfield, could they get points from that game? The way that they're performing right now, I'd say it's a realistic possibility.
1: Yeah, and I, um, I'm going to take uh, Aston Villa here, who is uh, a team that you know a lot of us like. I liked Aston Villa. I picked them fifth uh, in in our pre show. Three uh, one win over Crystal Palace. Um, Duran equalized in the 87th, and then they got two late goals: uh, Douglas luis from the spot. Maybe a little bit of a dodgy penalty there. Poor Chris Richards finally got a start for Crystal Palace, and he gives away the, the penalty um, uh, there late in stoppage time, and Leon Bailey with a goal. But you know, Villa, a team under Unai Emery, uh, again, they're, they're a team you mentioned, uh, uh, West Ham and their European competition. Same thing with uh, Aston Villa in the conference league. That's kind of like yeah. been uh, Emery's specialty, and I, I I would expect them to go all in on that, that league. Now, he may rotate some players throughout the group stage, but – once they get out of that group, and I'm pretty confident in saying they will, I'd expect him to go all in to try and win that that Europa Conference League. Um, and, and again, they've kind of been uh, up and uh, all over the place, right? They had a a, a poor start against Newcastle, then he'd get a win, and then, it, right? So they've kind of been up and down, but they're, they're still a team that I really believe in. I really like their, their talent. I think this, the, um, you know, the Duran kid that they got from, you know, they actually brought him over from MLS and Chicago Fire um, is going to be a really big time player for them.
0: Just staying with that match for a second, too. Obviously, want to send all our best to Roy Hodgson, uh who took ill, wasn't able to coach that game for, for Crystal Palace. And you, you hope for Big Roy, everything's okay. And you hope for Crystal Palace there, everything's okay. Because he is probably the cornerstone of that club.
1: Love Big Roy. Um, Which, it's time to go around the world. And around the world this week means the Champions League match day one coming up this weekend. So, there'll be a a set of games on, on Tuesday. And then there'll be a set of games on Wednesday. Um, I, look the the, the big games here, um, group, uh, group F. I think that's the one that we all fingered when the, when the, the draw came out. That's PSG. Dort, okay. The PSG
0: group, <laughs> group F for, you know, what too.
1: <laughs> yeah. Uh, PSG Dortmund, uh, Milan and, and Newcastle. Um, those are kind of the the big games on Tuesday. Uh Newcastle is at the San Siro in against Milan. Milan just got its backside kicked in by Inter in in the Derby on on this weekend. Lost five to one. Both those teams came in unbeaten. Um, you know, they got punched in the mouth and never really got back into that game. Uh, and then PSG and uh Dortmund at the Parc de Prince. Big news there. Gio Gio Reyna traveled with Dortmund. Looks like he could be in the side and and potentially make his season debut. Remember he fractured a, a bone in his leg during the nation's league final uh, that the U S won over Canada. So those are certainly the games that, that also stood out uh, that stood out to me um, from that, from that first match day, we, we talked a little bit about man United trouble in the league. Now they got to go to Bayern and face uh, old nemesis, Harry Kane, not an easy game there. Um, Arsenal got maybe a tricky tie there. They're at home against, against PSV. Uh, as well, mm-hmm. PSV came through the, the qualifying rounds, uh, knocked off Rangers in the, in the Champions League playoff. Uh, anything else from that that first set of games that, that stands out for you guys?
0: I think the water could get really deep for Man United if they get run off the pitch by Bayern. Then I think you could really see the heat start to turn up on Ten Hag. Uh, a match that I am unreasonably intrigued by is Barcelona against Antwerp.
1: Okay. Antwerp plays okay.
0: they're fun up, yeah. football. The Belgian is think...
1: fun in general. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah.
0: Do I think they're going to win? Probably not. But if you're watching Goal Zone and you're wondering why that game keeps popping up and it finishes 4-2, 5-3, I think that's absolutely in the realm of possibility. Not in terms of an upset, but in terms of a match that has the... Most fun neutral potential of just pure chaos. I think I look at Barca and Antwerp.
2: That you know what, Mike Sampson, you've now been promoted, you're now our Belgian correspondent. Congratulations! <laughs> um, so you talk about the Milan Newcastle match. I mentioned, um, when that when the groups came out, how for Newcastle, if there was ever a way in that group of death to get off to a good start it'd be going to the San Siro and getting a result well guess what they're gonna go into a place where they're playing a team that just got their teeth kicked in so Mm -hmm. I know Newcastle were a bit fortunate on the weekend to get points against Brentford because for me it still wasn't a penalty by the way but that's neither here nor there um that one will be fun the others that I'm intrigued by is and that by the way i love the fact that that kicks off the competition yes in the group stage because that's Same. at 12 yeah. 45 p.m Same. on tuesday the 12 45 p.m eastern time on wednesday madrid hosting union berlin now yeah madrid listen i'm again i'm not a guy that's regularly checking in on the spanish league but they have gotten off to a flying start going five for five Uh, in their league and seem that they're going to be there or thereabouts once again for the title, but Berlin on the other end have not exactly been great. One, two lost to in fact, they lost their last two matches to Leipzig and Wolfsburg on the weekend. Um, Obviously for those here in America, Brennan Aronson going to be involved with that squad. But if there's ever a chance to kind of retake the, the public imagination of being that underdog team this would be the day to go to the Bernabeu and shock the world we've seen it happen before with Real Madrid with the little teams Sheriff Tiraspol, I believe a couple of seasons ago did that it could happen again oh but he rolls his eyes at me for Antwerp Antwerp's <laughs> at least got Toby Alderweireld oh, I love that you got the pronunciation right by the way
1: thank you uh what I love about the first day of the Champions League though, is just you, you turn it on and all these games on it, and, but and everybody's got zero points, right? It's like, like the first day of the season and you just go, okay, is somebody going to pull an upset here that gets them on the, the right track to, to kind of where they can kind of press on and maybe be in the mix to surprise somebody and, and get out of one of these groups. Just, just the, 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 the opening day just is what always fires me up. The, the champions league. I can't wait to turn it on it, at, uh, at, at 1245 and, and get this, uh, and get this Champions League season started. Um, anything else, you guys uh, uh, around the world, you want to talk about uh, from from football? and Mike, if you got a, a championship correspondent that you want to uh, hop on here. Leicester, uh, second place in the in the championship, look like they're in, in pretty decent shape after the start.
0: Yeah, they're they're definitely in decent shape. I would say the surprise of the season has obviously been top of the table, Preston North End. That's a team that didn't even really spend a whole lot this year. They have a good goalkeeper. Freddie Woodman is probably like that next tier of English goalkeeper who hasn't really gotten the opportunity yet. But if he gets in the Premier League, he he's someone who's pretty good. Um, they dismantled Southampton. Southampton is a mess right now. Leeds is kind of a mess right now. Um, Ipswich are I, looking I, very good, by the way. Ipswich are really good. Kieran, Kieran McKenna, I'm, I'm worried about Kieran because he needs to stay put at Ipswich. And some bad Premier League team is going to fire their coach and want him, and I hope he doesn't take it because he is probably that next guy. Uh, remember what happened to Nathan Jones last year yes. when Luton got off to that great start and he took the Southampton job and it kind of ended his career? Yeah. Don't do it, Kieran. Stay where you're at. Get Ipswich up to the Premier League. Um, Leicester's by far and away the most talented team in that league. It's just – and they should be. They have $50 million more spent than every other team in the league as well. Um, It's refreshing to see. I was scared as a Leicester fan. But, no, they're going to finish top two in that league. They're probably going to end up winning it because these teams are going to falter where Leicester has – what I would call championship level depth. You know, they, they've they've got fine players. Um, but the championship is competitive. Um, Neil Warnock, R.I.P. Well, not actually R.I.P. but career R.I.P. Uh just announced that he was leaving Huddersfield and uh Michael Carrick at Middlesbrough is in some deep water because right now Middlesbrough is bottom of the table. They don't have a single result in six matches, and that's a team that was expected to contend for promotion. So that Middlesbrough job is probably going to be open
2: soon. But as we all know in the championship, you're one win away from promotion one away. and one loss away from relegation. Um, <laughs> yeah. Hey, that league for me, it's always the most entertaining as a neutral. Um, Preston will. There's always a team that takes the role the rabbit, and I applaud <laughs> Preston. Actually, funny enough, it was qpr last season and look where it they was. finished up almost relegated so it's um and reading were also kind of in that mix too let's not forget them they were well Reading did not, get sent down Reading, oh yeah sorry one. excuse me they yeah they did get sent well they
1: got a point, they mean? got a point deduction that's what yes yeah, yeah, yeah that was sent down one. and they you got get, another one this year that's yeah.
2: yeah but anyways there's always that team that takes the role that the rabbit uh sunderland have been turning around lately Joe Bellingham's looking class. Um, they're still without the Loch Ness Drogba and Ross Stewart, which just for the nickname itself, that that's one of the best ones out there. Um, yeah, always always good to chat a little championship.
1: I will never forgive Sunderland for the Josie Altador uh running Josie Altador's career uh when he went to Sunderland.
0: Josie Altador did plenty to run Josie Altador's. No, career.
1: he did. He did. He he did. He did. He actually he got bad advice. That that was a uh a move to a club whose manager was going to get sacked by Thanksgiving. Uh, remember, it was Paolo Ducanio was in charge of Sunderland at the time. And it was so obvious he was going to get sacked by Thanksgiving. Uh, and somebody gave Josie bad advice after he was banging and goals in the air uh, to, to go to Sunderland. Um, <laughs> uh, uh, anything else guys, before we, uh, we wrap it up? I don't know if there's uh, a- anything else you want to jump around to.
0: Now, like we said, we just send our, our good well wishes out to Big Roy. He's the best, and I uh, hope, hope everything's okay with him. He's back on the touchline soon, and uh, it, it's going to be really fun to watch match day one of the Champions League because it is probably the biggest overreaction day in European football.
2: And, of course, we get our best friends to listen to with Kate, Jamie, yeah. Micah, and Thierry. And I'm just looking show, forward is. to Kate Abdo's first roast of Micah Richards in the introductions to, on, on Tuesday <laughs> because those are the best.
1: <sighs> oh, well, that's going to wrap it up for us here on Box to Box Football. Make sure you uh, you check us out on on Twixter, on Instagram, on, on Spotify, on wherever you get your podcasts. You know how it works. Uh, we're, we're Box to Box Football. Uh, and thanks for joining us, and and we'll be back to look at the the next round of games in uh, in the Premier League and react to that opening match week in the Champions League.